I figured out how to start the episode without video at all, so we don't have to deal with that anymore. That's I noticed that my video didn't come on. Yeah. I think they were responding to the outcry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people who use their services are lookers. <laughs> right. <laughs> But there's a reason why, you know, uh-huh. the group of us like to stick to audio. <laughs> right. Dan, it's so nice to talk to you again after so long. Yeah, sorry about the break. I couldn't get it together last no, week. it's fine. I just, uh, I saw so many things and I don't remember anything about any of them. All right. So I, we, we haven't talked about the father yet or we did talk about no, the father No, we didn't. Before. Yeah, that's okay. where we left off. So. And another round. Another round. Uh I don't imagine you caught up with long weekend. No, that is that one. So I saw two other things in the theater, long weekend and the courier. Yeah. I didn't see anything more. The the courier is, it's not bad. It's solid, but it's a total boring, basic dad movie. I'd say, I'd say skip it unless it looks interesting. Long weekend. I think it's a stinker, but I kind of want to talk to you about it. So I might, we might want to put that one aside and maybe don't go to the theater to see it. Maybe if you can grab it on, streaming somewhere sometime All right. i would like your take because it was it's quite a piece of what's something. it last weekend long weekend long weekend yeah last weekend <laughs> wow. give me my heart is that is that what that's like no it's christmas not weekend but you're very uh very close oh remember that movie that called movie last was, christmas yeah. that's the kind of conversation i think we could have again if you also mm. see long weekend yeah, it's not like I've been busy, busy, but ugh, man, life is happening. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. Especially as we you know, gear up to get life back to normal, even though there's another surge in the disease. And despite 200 million people getting vaccinated, the numbers are still skyrocketing. Well, everybody can get the vaccine in New York coming right up, right? Starting tomorrow, I can make an appointment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Shireen's done, and um, my child is currently quarantining just because of possible exposure in, in the classroom last week. Mm. But she's feeling fine, and she'll be done with that soon. Gosh. Yeah. Um. So, all right, what's our what's our official list then? I'd say that it's the father. Another round. We can talk about the two oldies that we watched. We made it. Sure. We don't have to go into deep detail. And then we've also got Happily. I think that's the other one that we both have. Oh, I did watch that. Yeah. And what you saw something else that I didn't catch movie. up with. But... Yeah. We'll, we'll start with that one. Cause it's a <laughs> did you remind me what I saw? <laughs> you did saw you something do? that I don't remember the title of, but I've yet to catch up on it. I will watch it. Was it some indistinct rufflings? I don't remember what the title is. Oh, yes. Should we well, hold it until I can see it too? Call... Or Are it... you gonna? Will you watch it? I will. All right. Then let's hold it. Okay. So then we've whittled our, our huge lists down pretty substantially. Um, right. We either start prestigious and serious with the father or we just dive right into happily and get let's, something. Let's do happily first. All right. Yeah. So uh, shall I do the honors? Yes. Okay. So happily is a 2021 comedy crime romance film. Mm. Not sure about any of those. Um it's a dark romantic comedy. And even that, it's not a romantic comedy. It's, no, it's, it's trying not. to be like an ensemble dark nope. comedy, perhaps. I don't know. Directed and written by Ben David Grabinski. And I feel like he's something. I feel like he's the TV guy, showrunner of something or, or other. 
No, he is a writer known for Are You Afraid of the Dark and really? Shoot 'em Up. Um, no, he hasn't made that many things, actually. So he made this. So this is a uh, interesting... It turns out to be an ensemble movie. It starts off as a movie about a weird couple played by Carrie Bechet and Joel McHale as Janet and Tom. They have been, uh, well, we meet them at a party going at each other in a bathroom. And we assume that they are, uh, you know, two people who just met at a party. They're drunk or whatever and getting frisky. Oh, no. The big early twist is these two have been married for 14 years and they still can't keep their hands off each other. And all their friends hate them. So that's a pretty fun setup for a comedy, and that kind of works, and you think that that's what the movie's going to be about. Uh, two of their friends, uh, let's see, was it Val, the chef, played by Paul Shear, who's an actor I enjoy, and was is his wife Karen, Natalie Zay, I think is the actress? Yes. And they kind of take them out to dinner and confront them and say, everybody hates you. You're too weird and perfect. You never fight. So please leave the friend group. And don't come to this this house that our friend group is going to stay in next weekend or whatever. That's like enough right there for one type of movie about the inner workings of this friend group and this weird couple who seem the rules of this couple and their humanity seem to change from scene to scene. I'm sure we'll get into that. But then there's another layer where a mysterious man played by the great Stephen Root shows up at the couple's door. This is all early in the film. This is all before mm -hmm. the real story really launches and tells them that they, as human beings, are missing some fundamental element in their bodies that would make them, uh, they, they don't experience the phenomenon of diminishing returns in relationships. Basically, they don't, they haven't learned to hate each other over time. And so he wants to inject them with these glowing neon hypodermic needles to give them the missing element to complete their humanity and turn them into normal people. Uh, and they respond and react to him. And then they end up going away on this weekend with their friends in this house and weird, weird shit happens. It's, I don't want to give too much away. That's all setup stuff. Um, it gets crazy and out of hand. It takes some right and left turns that I wasn't expecting. I don't think it all adds up very well. I think it's an absurd movie. It kind of works as a, a kind of a sketch piece, I suppose. I like the casts. People who show up are um, Natalie Morales, John Daly, Kirby Howell Baptiste, Charlene Yee, Brecken Meyer. Interesting cast. Um, I don't know, Dan. I had fun watching it. It's certainly weird. I don't think it all works. What did you think? I feel similarly. I felt like if I were a professor of screenwriting, which I'm not, but if I were, I would have sent this back for another draft and this would have been my suggestion. Center the ensemble, not this couple. Yeah. Because they aren't really the leads. The ensemble is the leads. The ensemble is the one who, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, has the catharsis. They're the group that is not being open and honest with each other, and that's standing in the way of their group dynamic. And so I thought, what if we would have began the movie with everyone arriving for the weekend, and then we experience what we, in the actual final cut here, experienced as the first 30 minutes we saw in flashbacks throughout that is mm -hmm. kind of helping explain how we got here? Yeah, Because really, all the characters are the main characters, not this couple. And 
and I didn't like how people were treating them. I didn't like how they treated one another. I, I and then why in the world did he take um what's the character's name Karen up on her offer? Why right. did he choose to do that? There, there's a certain like loss of innocence, paradise lost, Eden thing going on with these two that I thought was fascinating. They t- they seemed to come together in a more realistic way at the end because of what they'd gone through. They weren't just these uh, zombies going through the motions of their happiness, which is, I guess, why their friends hated them is because there was like a strange immaturity, even though they were happy. I, I just feel like there was a lot of interesting things, a lot of intriguing ideas. It didn't work for me. I wonder about the casting uh, specifically of Joel McHale. I really mm-hmm. like Joel McHale. He's a funny actor. He's cool. But he's too self-assured and realized as a person. You know, I felt like Carrie Bechet was a little more appropriate for someone who was a little too perfect and a little weird and a little off. You know what I mean? He's got a smugness that I don't think works for the weird type of, I mean, I also think that you're right. There's just fundamental script problems. This couple, the movie announces itself as being about this weird couple. And then it's really not. No, all of the couples have major issues and there are secrets within the friend group that, that this whole thing seemed to be engineered to get them in a circle to tell the truth about their lives to one another. It's not really about making this couple less happy or injecting them with something. It had to do with the whole group. Right. They're they're the ones who needed the catharsis. But that also makes the Stephen Root elements completely baffling. Right. It makes him you have nothing to that. do with it. Right. You could have had him and the house and the mystery without the hypodermic needles, without a, a bizarre resurrection that I won't get more specific about. But yeah. like, you don't need all that stuff. You know what else we didn't need? We didn't need Al Madrigal as Arthur. Yeah. Who was that person? I, I know. Who meets him at the party and then arrives in the final scene for no payoff or consequence. Right. Is it there to give at least one character a Rosie? I mean, that character's also guilty of murder, so I don't know how Rosie her right. their their future is going to be. But right. uh Right, and then she committed murder. Yeah, I even forgot about that. Yeah. Like that's that's a that was a major issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I found um, Charlene Yee as Gretel to be delightful. I thought yeah. that was such a funny. It was like almost a sight gag entrance mm-hmm. when she comes following. <laughs> right, <laughs> he was so slovenly behind. Yeah, what what's his face? I thought that was funny, and then Rick she and was Meyer, continually yeah. intriguing throughout. Right. Yeah, I agree with you about Joel McHale, and I love Joel McHale. I think that he lives in that weird limbo between being funny and being hot. And so people don't quite know what to do with him because you're like, oh, it's Joel McHale. And then he like takes off his shirt and you're like, damn, that's right. Joel McHale is hot. Right. But like you say, it's his smugness. Mm -hmm. There there should be something truly innocent about this couple. You should you should really like them in an almost disgusting way. And there's nothing innocent about Joel McHale, right. even when he's doing his best acting. So he could have been the chef, or he could have even been Richard, the abusive, the Breckenmeyer yeah. character. Yeah. Because you want to like him, but then you're like, oh, he's got he's got darkness or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he. It's it's all very strange. And again, there's enough there that's tantalizing and kind of works. I love John Daly. He's uh, I'm more familiar with him from like improv things and podcasts, but he's very funny as an asshole married to Natalie Morales. 
Don Don, I guess, is is uh, the nickname mm-hmm. she gives him for the weekend. Anyway, uh, a very weird movie, but it's also it really wants to be weird, and it's just a little too weird. I think that's kind of its problem. It has an intriguing bunch of elements that don't necessarily coalesce into anything. I don't know. Yeah, See it's, it? it's intriguing weird. It wasn't boring weird, like yeah. Vivarium. That was boring right, right. weird. Yeah. No. Uh, okay, I guess that's that. So if it looks interesting, see it. Don't have the highest of expectations, but um, it's an in- it's like 90 minutes. It's an f- interesting watch. Uh, do we want... I, I'm kind of circling around the father because I don't know if I can even talk about it, but um, another round or the father? Yeah, I'll jump into another round. Okay. So I'm reading right here that the Danish title Druk just means binge drinking. Nice. (laughs) Which I I think would have been kind of like an artless title (laughs) and translation. I think another round is is much better. But a 2020 comedy drama film directed by Thomas Winterberg from a screenplay by Winterberg and Tobias Lindholm. And this movie is about four teachers, and I don't know how they do their secondary school, if these are like high school or young college age students. But anyway, there's a school, and these four professors are in midlife, and they have different issues with their lives for certain. And it begins with a birthday party for one of them, and you notice that uh, Martin, played by Mads Mikkelsen, isn't joining his friends in any of the drinking around the table. They're getting the finest vodka and champagne. And ultimately, he gives in and tries the wine at the end of the meal and uh, then goes back and tries everything that he, that he hadn't sampled before. And at first, I thought, oh, is he an alcoholic and he's trying not to drink or what's the deal? And that seems to be not necessarily the case. Um, what these guys center in on is some person's theory that if you keep your blood alcohol content at 0.05 at all times, you are happier and healthier and more, more alive, uh, and which is something they all desperately need in their, in their sad, hapless midlife crises. And so they take this on as an experiment and they're going to do it for science and for education and write a report about it. So they secretly drink at work. And indeed, it begins to work at the beginning. They all of them come alive in different ways and uh, they inspire students. And the one guy who's the athletic instructor, he come, you know, brings up this little kid who was kind of hopeless on the soccer field and it's kind of touching. Um, but then since that all goes so well, they feel they need something to compare it against, which is we've got to get completely falling down ass drunk and compare the outcome and of course there's a quite different outcome and the line between what control they have over their drinking and not begins to blur and uh they they each uh reap their reap their own consequences so i will say first that i had a lot of fun with this film i was sort of worried that it was just going to be kind of like an alcohol expose but that's not what it was. It was centered on this intriguing premise that there is some truth in. And then you just sort of watch the storylines fall as they may uh, to the inevitable conclusion of of disaster. But ultimately, uh, some hope and redemption 
that in a very Euro way isn't completely defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what did you think of this movie? Uh, yeah. And a surprisingly vibrant uh, ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On, you know, on paper, this could be the premise of like an episode of the Simpsons. Like right. it's a very goofy in an American context. This is a very goofy and I fear the inevitable American remake of this could be not very good. It could be oh, like, it's uh, going to be terrible. Yeah. Like downhill took force majeure, uh, which I don't know if it was Danish or, or, or French, but it took the, a foreign film that was very nuanced and dark and interesting and just tried to, I don't know. I didn't translate well. And I don't think this would either. But yeah, I agree with you largely. This is um, because there. I think it helps that there's this smaller distance because these are all the people, you know, they, they look recognizable. Their culture is like only a couple ticks away from ours. Mm-hmm. And you understand kids in school and partying and you understand everything they're talking about with the theory of the being point zero five percent or whatever uh blood alcohol level um so it's not foreign but it's foreign enough that there's the sensibility is different it's it's european and so i think that helps and also just the fact that it's not it refuses to be anything simple it's not a cautionary tale it's not a morality tale it's also not like a party movie really it's really just about um middle age and about you know it's I don't know what it's about. And that's the nice, that's that ambiguity that, that European films are much more comfortable with than American. So I think the cast is great. It's one, it's the most interesting uh, side of Mads Mikkelsen. I think that I've seen American mm-hmm. films tend to put him, Hollywood tends to put him in big operatic parts and seeing him play like a guy, you know, a dad and a teacher was interesting. He's great. It's a great performance and it really hits <laughs> some heights that uh, I found to be really, um, I don't know, uh, exhilarating. So uh, I don't have a big takeaway from the movie. I, just, I did very much enjoy spending time with it. And uh, yeah, I think it's really good. Did you read anything about Vinterberg's daughter, Ida? No. So this is interesting. Um, she had told stories about drinking culture within Danish youth and, you know, it was ultimately kind of inspired by her and she was supposed to play the daughter of Mads Mikkelsen. And I'm reading this here. The story was originally quote, a celebration of alcohol based on the thesis that world history would have been different without alcohol. However, four days into filming, she was killed in a car accident. And so then the script was reworked to become more life affirming. And it was filmed, uh, was dedicated to her and then partially filmed in her classroom with her classmates. Oh, wow. So what a tragedy. Yeah. Right in the midst of filming this. So this is what's going on partially in the director's world as he's making this. Right. And wow. I mean, it's brilliantly directed. I feel mm-hmm. like the direction raises the material. Mm-hmm. The material is good on its own as well as the performances. But I think the direction, which is the uh, fifth uh, nominee and best director. Mm-hmm. also, That was the fun surprise. But also me. the specific... Uh, thing about the classrooms and the, the, mm-hmm. the class the students right that was a very interesting uh, you know the movie the movie actually opens the very beginning with this kind of spring break style bender only it's not on a beach it's like on the bus and right. it's in this town and these kids i again we don't know if they're high school or college age but they're young adults and they're just doing a lot of you know public partying and i was like uh, that made me like oh what is what is going on here um 
but then you get to know some of those exact specific students and I don't I like the way the movie portrays and handles the students and it certainly benefits from that if that was a change from the original plan mm-hmm. you know to use real kids they came across as real but not like awkward you know in terms of the acting um I don't know I, li- I liked it a lot yeah D- Danish drinking culture really permeates the whole thing it begins and ends with it Mm-hmm. And that drinking is everywhere. I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I know that there are places in Europe, um, like partic- particularly Scandinavia, um, et cetera, where, 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 the, where drinking and alcoholism is just off the charts. And I wondered mm-hmm. if a little bit of this is present in this culture, mm-hmm. that um, just being a student is to constantly be inebriated. Yeah. And then and- you go into adulthood that way. Not to be naive and say like, oh, it looks harmless. No, I'm sure that it's riddled with all the actual real life problems that that would, you know, engender. But mm-hmm. it also, when I think about American youth drinking culture, mm-hmm. it's so much more seedy and superficial. I, I know this just seems like people who are genuinely right. celebrating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And again, that could be the movie's perspective. But I felt like I was won over by all these kids. <laughs> And um, I don't know, I felt like there was a real community, which this spring break culture in America is just kind of empty, media driven, you know, garbage. I don't know. Right. Well, I think long term, that's even more harmful when that's when that is your everyday culture. When when you Mm -hmm. celebrate, it's time to drink. When you're sad, it's time to drink. And when everybody around you drinks that same way. Yeah. um, you, You don't see what you're doing. Hmm. Whereas I feel like spring break, go have a stupid weekend bender and then come back to life is a little different. Right. But hmm. I'm very biased. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, I thought this was an excellent film. And uh, yeah. Agreed. Check it out. Well, do we want to take a little uh, excursion? And talk about just quickly, we don't have to do full reviews on these, but I kind of, um, I let you know that I had watched a couple of films featuring Yafet Koto on the occasion of his passing a couple weeks ago. And I had always just really, I'd always wanted an excuse to see Midnight Run. And when I heard people talking about his performance in that movie, I was like, I'm just going to watch it now. So I watched Midnight Run. Um, I, I'm, I always, Yafet Koto is just one of those actors who has been in he's like, he's had high heights. He's been in great films, um, but he's been in schlock and garbage and he's always the best thing in the things that he's in. He's an alien and he's in Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. Like he just elevates lots of different kinds of things. So I wanted to check out a couple of his performances I hadn't seen. And then I saw some buzz online about a Paul Schrader film from the seventies called blue collar. Uh, and so I watched these and I believe you did also. Mm-hmm, I did. So I'll just, I'll just, Quickly, again, we don't need to go through cast yeah. and full reviews, but uh, Midnight Run is a nice little uh, crime comedy. It's kind of like a Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with crime and Robert De Niro instead of Steve Martin. And at a time before uh, Robert De Niro had become like comedy guy. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a big deal that he and Charles Grodin were in this movie. And... Uh, it's very 80s. It has a surprising... I couldn't believe Danny Elfman wrote that score. It has a very, like, mm. 80s pop score with a lot of harmonica and saxophone and stuff. And uh, it was fun. It was a little too long and a little too plotty. And, uh, I like, I, I wanted it to be 40 minutes shorter. But, uh, right. I don't know, I, I had fun with it. It was good. 
Did you did you enjoy Midnight Run? Yeah, I enjoyed it fine. I had it kind of on in the background, and it's still easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to watch De Niro and Grodin, especially. I feel like without them, I mean, everything, it's completely unbelievable. Every Everything goes wrong and then right to go right. on this on this mad journey yeah. that, that would kill anybody in real life. It, it involves, it was a really complex plot for such a simple road yeah. movie. Really a lot of complexity with what was going on. And it had the, the, the contrivance of planes, trains, not just the mm-hmm. fact that they're on all these, you know, public transportation methods, but it really was, yeah, it had the contrivance of a comedy, even a more wacky comedy than it is. Right. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about it. It was it, it was totally yeah. enjoyable, not my usual jam if it came out today. And an unusual part I think for Yafet Koto because he's playing kind of the 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 FBI agent, kind of the heavy the straight guy who's, you know, frustrated by what the criminals are doing rather than he's usually a more bigger than life uh character, but uh yeah, he was he was fine. He's maybe yeah, not was, the standout, but No, I, I was kind of surprised. Not like I really know his work, but after watching Blue Collar to see him in this other role. I was like, that's kind of a bore use yeah, of this actor. Right. Yeah. Uh, only other thing I think worth mentioning uh, about Midnight Run is that Joe Pantoliano is there. Uh... Mm-hmm. That really surprised me. I think of him like later Mafia, but he's been around yeah. doing Mafia for a long time. Right, right. Uh, and then Blue Collar. Um, we've had, uh, we talked about Schrader most recently with uh, First Reformed. And I had that in mind that this movie, you know, it's about it's about different stuff and it's from a different era. Blue Collar uh, is a 70s movie about uh, automotive um, union. Uh, but I don't Paul Schrader just does his thing. He just takes pressing issues, political, social issues, mm-hmm. and then creates like a really intense screenplay that basically turns up the heat on these issues with some blue collar people. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this movie is fascinating in terms of cast. It has Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel, and Yafit Koto as three guys who work for, uh, I don't, I don't know if they ever name the, the automotive conglomerate that they work for, but they all work on the line making cars and they all belong to the union. And essentially these three incredibly working class guys decide to rob their union. And in doing so, they kind of unravel some intrigue and politics about their union and uh, the union, which comes down hard on them, engages all three of them in very different ways. And then it has some, you know, typically Schrader-esque over the top uh, endings to their three threads, their three stories. But um, Richard Pryor in a, you know, he can't help but be charismatic and funny, but a really mm-hmm. a, a very dramatic role. Uh, I thought he was excellent, and I thought the movie was just very bold. I liked the very seventies sensibility. I liked seeing these actors, uh, and Yafet Koto was was really great as Smokey. Um, I don't know. I don't. You know, it has a lot of charms and things to be discovered if people want to check it out. But I thought it was a, a great watch. Yeah, this was unknown to me before, and I continue to be more and more impressed with Schrader's stuff. It's great. The actors are good. I really like, like you say, the seventies sensibility. It's quickly becoming my favorite. You know, mid to late seventies. Anything that I find from there, I tend to like. Um, it was just a, and it's 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 fresh even now. How bold must it have been then, or maybe not? I don't know. I, I just feel like this movie could still be made today, um, with only slight changes. Yeah. 
Right. And what I, I guess what I like about Schrader is he'll just go for it. I don't know. Like I, there's a scene in this movie where an, a man from the IRS comes to Richard Pryor's home to confront him basically about claiming too many dependents. Like he claimed mm-hmm. kids that he doesn't have. And then his wife runs next door to grab the neighbor kids and right. line them up and pretend and like that is such a goofy idea. And yet it's in this movie that's played mostly for some kind of realism. I mean, it's mm-hmm. heightened and it's intense, but it's not, it's not wacky comedy. So I don't know. I, there's a chaos to Schrader mm-hmm. that feels, I don't, that doesn't feel real, but it lends a verisimilitude to his movies that, um, that I like. And also just that he's not afraid. His politics are very bleak and pragmatic and he's not afraid to just take things to these horrifying logical conclusions. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's necessarily wrong about a lot of the things he's, he's putting forward. No, I think he's right on. Yeah. So, uh, those are fun. I guess that leaves us with the father, Dan. It sure does. So here I go. Um, all right, the father is actually a two on T twenty, two on T twenty, which is why it's up for uh, many awards at this time. Drama film. There you go. Straightforward. One adjective. Drama, it's a drama. film. It's a drama. Directed by Florian Zeller, and based on her play. Is that a woman's name, Florian Zeller? It might be a man. Let me. I think it's it is a, a it is a gentleman. I am very sorry. Uh, adapted by Christopher Hampton, and starring Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman. And others, Mark Gattis, Olivia Williams, Imogen Poots, and Rufus Sewell. Um, a couple of others. This is really a uh, performance showcase for Anthony Hopkins as an aging father who is suffering, uh, uh, well, I was going to say late stage dementia. Uh, but the interesting thing about this movie is it's not clinical or technical. We are experiencing the film from his perspective. So we can assume from the way this experience unfolds that he is in very late stages of dementia. But uh, Olivia Coleman plays his daughter, Anne. His name is Anthony. And uh, it's very straightforward as a drama, except for its choice of perspective. But it's, it's just almost entirely on the shoulders of these two performances, which are very raw and excellent and uh devastating and when i say that the film is from anthony's perspective it uh it doesn't hold your hand it doesn't give you a lot of backstory you get everything from his conversations with his daughter but then the perspective will change his daughter seems to be uh played by a different actress at certain times olivia williams seems to be his daughter uh his daughter's husband the actor seems to change. We don't, the time frame seems to change. We seem to be jumping backwards and forward in time. We don't know if that's the film, you know, that's cinematic language or if that's the mental state of Anthony. And, um, you know, we get it. This is what it is. I thought that it was effective in everything from staging to writing, to performance, to camera work, to casting. I felt like this was, you know, even though it may be, uh, somewhat traditional in its in its acting and directing approach. I don't know. I I found it utterly effective and excellent. I also found it devastating. It manages to be charming and affirming in moments, despite the fact that it's this kind of whirlwind of of despair and fear at the same time. And then I found the ending to be simply uh, just it, it wrecked me. Um, 
yeah, I'm not being very coherent about it other than to just say that it's amazing. I, I was really blown away by this movie and it seems like a, uh, an obvious thing, but I think even if you think it looks like it's good and Anthony Hopkins is always good and everything, I think there's something special and unique about what's great about this movie. That's hard to put into words, obviously for me. Yeah. I, I was unaware of this whole property looking back to discover that it had a 2016 Broadway run and Frank Langella won the Tony for it. Who can remember mm. that? Wow. Um, because I, I don't follow plays as much and that was the Hamilton year, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but that this was a known entity, I guess is my point that was missed by me. Um, yeah, this, this movie was masterful and like down to the production design, the way that they were always existing in the same apartment, but it was always just changed mm -hmm. the, the way it was decorated or which room we're in, or if we go into the doctor's office, it looks like the living room, but it's somebody set up with a desk, but it didn't look like a play using one set and just changing up pieces of it. It was changed enough so as to look like the legitimate places they were supposed to be. But that was another way that we followed his confusion is, is that it always sort of seemed like a familiar place, but it was just off so that he was disoriented. Um, there are things like Olivia Coleman's blouse that she basically is in two blouses for most of the action of the mm -hmm. movie. And that is an orienting anchor for the audience of what time it is or which day it is or because of what she's wearing. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we get to the end and we're seeing it and we we're kind of removed from his perspective, we're looking a little more into reality to me in those closing scenes where we understand why he's mistaking people for his daughter or for her husband. Um, we kind of see the truth of that and we don't know how long he's been there. To me, that kind of added to the devastation at the end. And yeah, these performances are very special. Like we, we barely give credit to Anthony Hopkins or, Olivia Coleman, just because they're of their sheer excellence and they're both, you know, he's a legend and she's going to be one and moving up very quickly. Mm. Um, but, but these are performances that if these actors were a little less known or had less renown or awards pedigree, that would be at the top of everybody's list to hand them an award because it's, it's fantastic work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, this, this is an incredibly like obvious and basic thing to say. I'm sure everybody would say this, but the idea of dementia, especially as I approach, uh, well, as I inhabit middle age on my, you know, in my own life and look ahead, uh, it's probably the most horrifying and unimaginable uh, health, you know, concern mm -hmm. looking forward. I'd rather experience many types of physical infirmity before losing my mental faculties. And I guess that would be true for most everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and to this movie, there's been plenty of drama uh, about this issue from the perspective of, you know, people who have their faculties who are concerned about someone who's maybe losing them to make a film this empathetic and this uh, just not just empathetic, but experientially, you know, geared from the perspective of, of this man. I, yeah, I found it, almost too much to bear, but then the excellence and beauty of the film. And I guess that's the value of, of art is that it, it makes it a journey that's bearable to take, even as it's about such unthinkable things. Right. Um, I'm pasting a link into the chat just as a side note to a, um, po one of the main posters for this film. Right. 
and yeah, the, his, that's like fan made. <laughs> yeah, but it's on, it was on the official Twitter account. I've seen it. It, it. it just features the actors, uh, clearly in just their street clothes or just you know. Right. It's a it's a good photo, so it's not like a candid photo. But they don't have their wardrobe and hair from the movie, and I find that so weird. No, a fan made that, and oh, really, it's just been latched onto as oh. like art for the thing. And right, because like she has different hair. Like it seems right. like this image was made by his character. Yeah, you know? right, right. Yeah. Anyway, I just found that every time I see that, I'm like, you know, there's another poster which is, you know them in character in the right. the kind of warmth of the light of his room talking in that opening scene which is a lovely poster but anyway that mm-hmm. i found uh bizarre all right well i i think that might do it for this week dan um again i the, the courier uh, i guess if you're not going to see the courier i'll just give it a sentence or two and say this is benedict cumberbatch playing a british businessman who becomes a kind of go-between with mi6 and uh a russian uh, a Russian uh, dissonant who wishes dissident, sorry, who wishes to uh, pass some secrets to to uh, you know America and Britain, and uh, it's this it's very Spielbergy kind of a uh, you know story, true true history story, but you feel like it's been completely um, intensified and dramatized, and it's 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 very well done. It's good. It's just also such a dad movie and so very traditional. Uh, maybe not in the best way. So I think you're safe to skip that, Dan, if it didn't interest you. Yeah, that sounds um, horribly heterosexual. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think if you can catch Long Weekend sometime okay. and remind me what the other thing you saw was so I can catch up and then we can have these for uh, another discussion sometime. I'm going to have to like... Look I'll look up. back through our chats. Yeah, you look said back it through in the there. chats. That's the last time I can remember it. Yeah. But yeah, that... Um, that movie is mayhem. I want you to watch it and <laughs> I right. want to hear what you think. All right. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you, everybody. This has been the 77th episode of Holds Up. We've been Dan and Josh. You can follow us both on Letterboxd and Twitter. And our music is by Jonah Rapino. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Bye. How did you find the green room? Was everything uh, well stocked and comfortable? There is a green room. It says when you're when I'm waiting for you to join. It says guest is in the green room. Oh, well, it was understocked. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <clears throat> Gonna fire that PA. Uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> there is a diet coke here, though. So all right.